Hi there. This is Paul from Arconnect Sessions, and this is another special mini session in partnership with the Los Angeles Design Festival, taking place in downtown LA from June 8th to 11th. Our conversation today is with Sean Alquist. Sean is an assistant professor of architecture at the Taubman College of Architecture and Urban Planning at the University of Michigan. I talk with him about architectural education and his work merging new technologies with innovative applications of architecture and material research in his lab for material architectures. What I found most fascinating is his sensory playscapes project that applies these technologies to addressing challenges for children with autism. So you are, you're in Detroit. Where did you grow up? Did you grow up in that area? No, I I grew up in uh, Syracuse, New York. So very different experience from Detroit and Michigan, I would say. <laughs> Did you go to school in Syracuse as well? No, I didn't. The first thing I wanted to do was get out of Syracuse when I had my first chance. So Yeah, that's usually how it happens. <laughs> <laughs> actually went to school at uh, Washington University in St. Louis. Oh, okay. And did you go straight into architecture? I did, yeah. Yeah, went straight into studying architecture. Five-year BARC? Actually, their program is just a four-year Bachelor of Arts in Architecture. Uh huh. So I worked in St. Louis for about a year after school and then actually moved out to San Francisco. I started to work on my own pretty quickly once I got in San Francisco. So just doing kind of consulting and um, a lot of kind of 3D modeling, rendering work, a lot of computer work, stuff like that. And then got into to teaching. And that's when I kind of quickly hit the ceiling of what my degree could allow me to do. So after being in San Francisco for almost 10 years, I I went and did a master's degree at the AA. So I got my MARC at the AA. And then I went straight into doing my PhD work at the University of Stuttgart in Germany. Oh, wow. So what was your experience for those of our listeners out there that aren't familiar with AA? That's the Architectural Association in London. What was that experience like uh, moving to Europe I mean, it was, yeah, it was a really kind of interesting experience. I think what was unique about the Architectural Association, of course, like it's maybe not well known outside of the field of architecture, but within the field of architecture, it's quite prestigious. Yeah, very much. And through that, I mean, it really puts you into an amazing network. Not, I mean, of course, internationally, but even just within London, which is, you know, this kind of amazing place of architecture and engineering. And I think that was kind of the unique turn for me was being able to combine those two and really kind of explore through an understanding and investigation of those two territories together. So that, you know, I think London is great for that sort of experience. And that's actually what kind of led me to do the PhD work in Germany, especially in Stuttgart, which again is very the the kind of work that I was doing and the type of architecture that happens in Stuttgart, Germany is very, you know, integrated between architecture and engineering. So what was the PhD work that you were working on in Stuttgart? Um, The focus, and and I'm actually still technically finishing up that PhD work at the moment, but uh, the focus is is looking at, you know, what you'd call a kind of highly engineered structure. So it's, you know, the fancy word is a pre-stressed tensile structure, but really it's looking at, you know, tent-like structures. But the idea was to, again, pull those out of being only in the realm of engineering and develop tools and ideas and forms and concepts and spaces which are accessible from a design point of view so that somebody on the more architecture side of things could actually explore that territory from a much more thorough perspective, having to do with kind of architectural concepts, again, having to do with kind of materiality and space as opposed to pure structural performance. 
So is this study a big part of your work as an educator? Yeah, it definitely is. It's gone into a bit more highly specialized focused, I suppose. Here at now being a professor at the University of Michigan, I was able to procure through the university an industrial knitting machine, which without getting too technical in that, it basically allows us to design and manufacture almost any kind of textile that we want to make. In you know all different levels of quality, the kind of materials we use to make the textile, as well as you know the shape and dimensionality of the textile. So not just you know a kind of single sheet, but something that's you know very multi-dimensional has you know embedded within it lots of different spaces that are designed and volumes and things like that. And definitely you know using it at a very architectural scale, not at something you know of a kind of typical scale that you would imagine textiles, you know, being at the level of like fashion or wearables, we kind of try to push it much larger to, a, you know, again, kind of addressing architectural concepts, something at more the size of thinking about environments, how can we develop environments through the ability to actually manufacture our own materials. So is this machine developed specifically for architectural or spatial design applications? Or is it being repurposed for for the, the use that you're using it with? It's very significantly the latter. <laughs> so, oh, okay. It's uh, the the machines are largely utilized for production in the fashion industry. Kind of its its hallmark in that terrain is on one of these machines you can knit or you can manufacture an entire sweater as one unit. So there's no making of different pieces and then subsequently having to cut and sew them together. It's actually the entire three-dimensionality and shape of a sweater can be produced on these machines and, you know, again, as one unit. How they've become most popularized at the moment is, uh, if you know the, the Nike Flyknit shoes, the entire upper of that shoe is manufactured as one piece on these knitting machines. So in that case, it's to a certain degree shape, but also the fact that within this one component, within this one piece, this one part, you can introduce all the different variants of structure, you know, stiff in one area, stretchy in another, or color, or have the the color for the graphic of the nice Nike swoosh on it, or, you know, other kind of patterns integrated into it. And that all, again, happens as, you know, one manufacturing step. So there's a, a fascinating project that you've developed called Sensory Playscapes. I assume that this is utilizing that technology that you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, very much so. It kind of just for the fact that we got this technology really opened up that territory for us. So the ability to craft a material on such an intimate scale, the idea that we would make architecture from it where that material would become very passive, it just seemed almost foolish. I mean, it seemed like we were really losing an amazing opportunity. So the idea that, you know, when we make these materials, we're so intimately involved in kind of every tiny detail of how it's being made, which can be a bit kind of overwhelming at times, but that we're so intimately connected to the way it's made. I mean, it just seemed silly. I, you know, I wanted to come up with a way that we could expose that as a part of the architectural experience. And it just so happened like there was a very kind of um, close experience that I could bring into the work to be able to uh, kind of experiment with that. And that's kind of some of the issues related to my daughter and the fact that she has autism spectrum disorder and kind of her sensory experience of the environment, you know, very much tailors how well she can perform within it. So the idea that we could, you know, make an architecture which is all about that sensory experience and tailor it for her in a way that, you know, could possibly
possibly make her more engaged or more active or, you know, more kind of socially interactive. That's sort of how everything, you know, kind of started to pull together. So how has your daughter interacted with this piece? And can you talk a little bit about how it addresses autism? Sure. So there's a couple kind of fundamental components. So one is, again, we can kind of, you know, really intimately and very, you know, kind of very detailed level design the tactility of the textiles that we make. So and that we look at it on two levels. One, obviously, the tactility of what's the experience when you touch it but also the deformability. So we develop, you know, these designs which have, you know, very kind of fluid sort of organic shapes to them, but also have a high degree of elasticity even, you know, while they're in these kind of different shapes. So the idea is that, you know, there's a kind of very physical engagement with the surface. You feel it, you know, from the scale of your hand to the depth of, you know, moving your arms and maybe even on the scale of your body kind of interacting with these big stretchy surfaces. And and then to help further that engagement and also kind of think of it as a more multi-sensory environmental experience, we've utilized technology which allows us to make the, the surfaces touch and pressure interactive. So one of the key components is using a Microsoft Connect essentially to get a live capture of the geometry of the surface. So whenever somebody pushes on the surface, they're changing the geometry. We can read that as an input. And then we develop all sorts of interfaces which, you know, project things back onto the surface so that the person interacting with the surface actually gets, you know, both a physical and visual registration of what they've done. So one simple example is we have a, a program which allows the children to color in the surface. So, you know, we project images of dinosaurs and balloons and things like that. And um, based on how hard the children are pushing on the surface, they're painting with different colors. So a light touch is yellow, a really deep hard touch is red. So they get where their kind of sensory experience may be a bit muted. They get this kind of grander physical interaction and then they get this visual reinforcement to also tell them, you know, how they might be moving in terms of the level of scale of their movements or what's referred to as grading of movement. So what's the degree of pressure that they're using to interact? Wow, that's fascinating. So it acts as a tool for kind of exaggerating the sensory effects of that interaction. Are there just purely pragmatic approaches to utilizing this this knitting technology that you've worked on in terms of like typical architectural applications? I mean, it's really hard to say. I think, you know, where I think we might be one the only architecture school in the world to have one of these machines. Oh wow. Maybe there might be a couple others out there or a couple others that are kind of, you know, maybe connected to a, you know, a department of fashion or something like that or textile design where they they might have indirectly some access to the machines. But, you know, there's a I know of maybe two other individuals or, or kind of groups across the world that are utilizing this technology for architectural applications. So because of that, it's hard to say what exactly is the norm or what would be the expected way to use it. I mean, mm -hmm. like I said, traditionally, they're used in fashion. There is another kind of smaller market, which is referred to as technical textiles. And that's something where they're, you know, knitting like the, the seat back for office furniture or even something where it's you know, maybe as one piece, it might be the seat back and the seat itself is all interconnected as one piece and has different kind of patterns and structure to deal with how you sit in it. That's the other way in which the technology is used. So that might be the kind of closest application to thinking about it as architecture, but we're definitely, you know, looking kind of well beyond that potential. I mean, I think 
the scale at which we're trying to operate. So again, in terms of these sensory playscapes, they're actually pretty big structures, something that's maybe like six or seven feet tall by eight feet wide, 10 feet long. And we actually work really hard to be able to produce a textile that covers that space as one seamless unit, just because, you know, seams are are where failures occur. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. we want to try and eliminate that part of it. So that scale, you know, utilizing these machines at that scale and creating, you know, these massive textiles is definitely a unique application. I mean, just as a side note, when I tell somebody in the industry that it takes up to 10 hours of manufacturing time to make one of these textiles, their jaw just hits the floor because they're used to working on, you know, a scale of like minutes. Like 30 minutes for them is like a really long time to be able to to manufacture something. So, Oh, wow. Are there other technologies that you're currently working with that you're really excited about? Well, I mean, we're, we're now, now as I, you know, get to understand the knitting technology to deeper and deeper depths, we're starting to see what we can do with the textiles, like integrating them with other systems. So at the moment, we're actually coming up with ways of actually knitting these kind of highly, you know, differentiated, um, these textiles with different forms and patterns in them, um, and actually 3D printing onto them. So the idea there is we can embed like very different properties. So something from a really soft, stretchy textile to something that's really hard and rigid and, you know, see how these two things interact with each other. Just kind of, you know, really expand the level of differentiation again within like one kind of unit with one seamless piece of material. So a lot of it has to do with that. We're looking at, you know, using knits as like pneumatic actuators, you know, so integrating pneumatics into the knits and see what kind of, you know, formal possibilities there are from that. So it's not so much like me shifting to other technology. It's integrating with others that are developing new things and how we can actually um, bring that together with knitting to, you know, come up with new, new kind of material technologies. Do you see the use of these new technologies as being an important part of the evolution of architectural education? I mean, that's a, (laughs) that's a good question. It's a big, big question, I would say. I mean, certainly, I, I think so. I mean, I've been a part of this sort of trend of of utilizing an understanding of the ability to fabricate or manufacture a material as the genesis of design, as opposed to kind of what is more traditionally the overlay of design. I think the moment that we're particularly at in terms of this research, which I think is really interesting, is we start working at like smaller and smaller scales of how things are made or manipulated. And it's actually opening up like wider and wider opportunities of what we can make with it. So if you think back not too long ago, you know, when digital fabrication started to be introduced to architecture, which was, you know, a really important kind of step in that evolution, it was very much about taking normative materials and manipulating them in a way to make non-standard assemblies, you know, which was very interesting, very exciting. Now, when it comes to knitting or even 3D printing or other kind of methods like that, again, that are starting to work at smaller and smaller scales, you're skipping that step of starting with a normative material. You're actually making the material yourself, which really shifts the kind of design proposition because you don't have that benchmark to start from. You know, you don't know how a material performs because you haven't actually made the material. So you're starting from a different perspective when you can actually explicitly define the qualities of that material from the start. 
So I think it's really exciting territory. I think we're still trying to figure out how to deal with that as a design process. And thus, I think also trying to figure out how to deal with that from an educational you know, point of view and, and how curriculum can be built to, to cater to that, that kind of yeah, altered sort of starting point of a design process. How long have you been in Detroit? I've been here since 2012. So what are your thoughts on the city? I mean, it's it's going through a pretty, a relatively quick transformation in, in terms of uh, city changes. What do you think of Detroit? I mean, I, I, I don't want to kind of, <laughs> I don't want to say too much because I'd be honest, I'm, I'm not completely familiar with, uh, you know, with, with all that that's happening on a fairly detailed basis in terms of Detroit. I mean, you know, being a part of something like the design, the Detroit Design Festival, that certainly, you know, opens up my eyes in terms of, you know, what's happening within the city, the directions in which it's happening, you know, the kinds of areas which are starting to become more active, let's say. And I think the effort in which they're trying to make connections between these different areas. So what was interesting about the Detroit Design Festival was, you know, the fact that kind of sites and locations were, you know, there were there were a couple kind of home bases, but but things were really distributed throughout. Um, it wasn't like, you know, all concentrated within one neighborhood. Um, so the fact that that festival is really trying to help kind of connect the dots in terms of what's happening, I think, you know, tells you that uh, things are happening. They're a bit distributed, but there are efforts to try and pull that stuff together. Well, Sean, thanks so much for talking to me today and sharing your uh, your work and, and your story. Great. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. Make sure to check out the show notes online at arconnect.com to check out some of the work that was brought up in this conversation. If you're able to attend the LA Design Festival, make sure to check out the live panel LAX DET, discussing the connection between LA and Detroit, a collaboration with the Detroit Design Festival and the LA Forum for Architecture and Urban Design. The event will be taking place on June 10th from 2 to 4 p.m. at Row DTLA at 777 Alameda Street, featuring Edwin Chan, Chris Denson, Lorcan O'Hurley, and Eileen Lee. Thanks for listening.